You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Remaining standing, the Holy Gospel, St. John, Chapter 4. He had to go through Samaria, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Bowing your heads, will you pray with me? O oh Lord, your word is the living water of life, quenching our thirst for true understanding, washing away the stain and dirt of our sinful and broken lives, flowing out into the deserts and wastelands of our complicated current events and global conflicts, making the deserts bloom with the promise of your kingdom come and the oceans swell with godly commerce. Be now in its preaching and in its hearing, giving us the vision for your glory, setting our hearts on fire with love for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Yes, this is a poignant time for me to be here with Deborah. Her father, when I first came to Pittsburgh to be bishop there, he reached out to me and connected me with the diocese in a way that was profitable throughout my years there. Oh, I could write a book about it. Well, I guess I will. I guess I will. But more than that, he invited me into his family. And this, I confirmed her and saw her grow up, and now to be in ministry. <laughs> well, I'm undone by it. Let's get on with it. Um, and, and, and to begin with, let me just carry you back to the Old Testament from the prophet Ezekiel, this uh, wonderful prophecy here. Then the Lord God brought me to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, and he said to me, The water flowing goes down into the Arabah, and when it enters the stagnant water of the sea, the water will become fresh. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, 
there, were, there will grow all kinds of trees because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for the healing of the nations. I had an opportunity once in Israel to see where this text came from. We were uh, in, in Jerusalem going to do some touring and uh, they had a terrible snowstorm there the night before and then a, a torrential rain. And we said, well, we can't stay here. We'll go down to the Dead Sea because uh, they won't be raining down there. And it wasn't. And as we were there, all of a sudden these cataracts, torrents of water came washing down across the plain into the Dead Sea. Uh, this is where this text came from, and of course the prophet has seen that, this as an image of the grace of God as water flowing from the temple into the arid, sterile lands of hopelessness and sin and death, bringing living waters. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Do you, do you, know, you know this story? It's a, it's, it wasn't just any old well where Jesus was on his trip up north. He had to go through Samaria, and he stopped to refresh himself with a drink of water. It was Jacob's well, the patriarch, the patriarch from Israel's ancient history, the bearer of the blessing, the Abrahamic blessing, the promise of the nation. This well was where Jacob watered his flock. And there, there is where this half-breed, outcast, Samaritan woman, Jesus asks her for a drink of water. And, and, and there ensues this remarkable conversation between these two people, two different people as different as night and day, this amazing conversation about water, living water that whoever drinks of it will never thirst, that indeed will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman left her jar and went away into the city and exclaimed to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Ezekiel's prophecy again the banks of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food, their leaves for healing, both sides of the river, leaves for the healing of the nations flowing from the sanctuary of the temple of God. I made it part of my ministry as bishop to lead pilgrimages to the Holy Land as often as I could. I, I never ceased to marvel at how profoundly the Holy Spirit comes to bless people, young, young and old who walk the path that Jesus walked his early life 2,000 years ago. And especially my clergy, as many as I could, I took them with me a few at a time. Uh, and nothing, nothing really empowered their ministry more. Their preaching of the gospel, their teaching of the faith, their pastoring of the flocks of Christ, overseeing his body, the church, for its mission. Then going there to read the fifth gospel. You know there are five gospels, did you know that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the land. Jesus said, the very stone shall cry out and the water shall be for the healing. A story, once I was able to take uh, with me five pastors with a group 
on pilgrimage. And, and at that time, I was associated with a travel agency owned by a Palestinian uh, family in the Holy Land. They'd been in the business of organizing tours and pilgrimages uh, for centuries. Uh, they used to uh, carry people out on camels and stay in tents. Now it was Mercedes buses and five-star hotels, but uh, they, 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 that was their business. And a member of the family that now headed the firm, a young man by the name of Henny, became a good friend over the years. He was educated here in the United States at Vanderbilt. And while, while there, he was asked to participate in a panel uh, discussing the Arab-Israeli issue. He, the Palestinian side, and for the Israeli, a Jewish fellow named Aaron. And after the debate, the two young men went out for a beer and there realized they'd both grown up in Jerusalem, not far from each other, and, and became fast friends. And so that upon graduation, they both went back home to Jerusalem. Henny headed up the family tour business and Aaron to work for the Department of Information for the Israeli government. Uh, that pilgrimage, Henry came to me. Bishop, your group uh, will go on the day's schedule as planned, but let me take you and your young clergy guys with me and my friend Aaron for a walk in the desert. Oh, what an experience we had. We, we, we drove from Jerusalem to the wilderness, to the Wadi Kirth, the deep gorge leading down from the highlands down through the way to Jericho, the lowest place on earth, the head of the Dead Sea. And we began with two hours in the cave where Elijah had fled uh, from Jezebel. You know, she was mad at him for dispensing with the prophets of Baal, and he went down there to hide. And then we started our walk down the narrow path along the steep side of the wadi, it's the valley of the shadow of death from Psalm 23. And as we came out on the plain of Jericho, the, the, the Jordan River uh, over, over to the east uh, uh, that ran across the plain into the Dead Sea that was to the south, and uh, then the, the Judean uh, uh, highlands to the west, uh, it, it's all right there. Uh, Qumran is right there, too. You know where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found? Uh, and, and the heights above that to Judea and the West Bank and Jerusalem beyond and, and where the water had cascaded down across the parking lot the day we were there. And there is the mount where King Herod built a temple. Excuse, excuse me, no, uh, up on the Temple Mount, King Herod built the temple there. And that's the sanctuary where the water came down. Uh, they, they led us to a place uh, where there was an archaeological dig that just started. And it was obviously a large country house. This was one of King Herod's resorts. He built them all over, and, and look here. What, what do you suppose this was? Well, it wasn't very hard for us to figure out what it was to recognize the ruins of a huge steam bath. Now, why in the world would anyone want to steam bath in the desert. It was almost 90 degrees when we were there, and it was only February. Because, as Henny was telling us, because Herod was in love with Rome, the Romans were the most advanced culturally, technically, militarily in the first century. They were modern, and Herod wanted to be just like them. 
He had to have all their toys, so he's building this nice little country resort, and he's got to have a big steam bath. Now look, just over there, Henny pointed out, at Qumran. That was a religious community in the first century. Holy men there, copying the ancient scriptures, bathing in the ritual baths to purify themselves, in preparation for the return of the Messiah, the expected one, who would restore the ancient covenant hope, Abraham and Moses, it is believed. John the Baptist came from Qumran. And he went from there, from Qumran, right past where we were looking at Herod's house, over to the Jordan River. Over to the Jordan River, preaching, What have we to do with Herod and his Roman ways? Have we not in our own national river the cleansing water to prepare us for the kingdom of God? Uh, well, I'm paraphrasing here, as any did. And Jesus of Nazareth came to the Jordan to be bathed in the waters of John's baptism and that ancient hope. Can you see it? Can you see it? And then Henny added, and then back at Capernaum, the Gospel of Luke records, Jesus commended a Roman centurion Speak the word only, for my servant shall be healed. You know the story, the healing of the centurion servant. And Jesus commended to the multitude, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Now what I want you to see, Jesus came and walked straight through that great cultural divide. Herod, Romans, and all of the modern stuff, and the ancient faith of Israel. It was all right there, the whole ancient story. And then Henny put a question to us. Do you see a parallel here? Recent history, current events, the Middle East? And for a moment we pondered, and then it dawned on us, Iran, the Shah, seeking to bring Iran into the modern world, America, the West, liberal, enlightened, and then the revolution, the return to traditional hardline Islamic culture, the Ayatollah. On the, way, on the way back to Jerusalem in the bus, I asked Henny and Aaron the question, what do you guys want for the future? What are you looking forward to? And Aaron said, we want 20 years of peace and we will build the United States of the Middle East, interstate highway from Jerusalem to Damascus to Baghdad. That was several years ago. And I asked Henny, I want everything he has, full benefit and privilege for my children and their future that Aaron's is assured of for his kids. And then I asked, I'm sure you would have too, and, and, and I said, well, why is not what you have together, your friendship and mutual love for this land, why is that not the solution? And their reply was both heart-wrenching and to a degree discouraging. Alden, you, you Americans are very naive. You have Washington and Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King. Can you keep them? 
There are so few in this country yet that would see what we have together, Aaron and I, as a good thing. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. When you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, my friends, we are praying for the peace of the world. Do you see? Do you see? Uh, a few years ago, the foreign affairs communist Tom Friedman, uh, in 1999, wrote uh, a book called The Lexus and the Olive Tree. Anybody read it? Seeking to explain the kind of world we live in, globalization, the integration of capital, technology, and information across national borders, creating a, a single global market of understanding and ideas and tastes. Everyone wants a Lexus in their garage. That, that, that's just fundamental, isn't it? Bumping up against ancient forces of culture, geography, tradition, and community. Everyone who says that their olive tree was planted by my great, 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 great grandfather and anybody that touches death to them. It's a divided world we live in. Our divided lives so filled with divisions, distrust, and despair, and hostility. That's the world in which the waters from the temple flow, and on either side grow the trees for fruit and for the healing of the nations. Because Jesus said, Whoever drinks from me will drink living water. I want to tell you about a project that we've been privileged to be part of, our mission trip to Uganda, uh, Solar Light for Africa, March 2017. Our major work was with a most remarkable Christian project in the north, Dr. Timothy McCall on the edge of an area that until a few years ago had been ravaged by a most terrible war. Children torn from their homes, girls raped, boys given assault rifles and forced to shoot their parents, child soldiers. The war is over, the tyrant is gone, driven from the country, the refugees, the orphans, the work of restoration. You, you can imagine. A physician from Waco, Texas, general practice, esteemed professor at Baylor Medical, but with a heart for Africa, from 12 years' service in Nigeria, he was moved to go to Uganda and to do what he could because of what Jesus Christ had done for him. Dr. Timothy McCall. Uh, by land, the Holy Spirit directed him, near the troubled region, Land on water, there build a center for the healing of bodies and souls ravaged by this terrible war. So Dr. McCall and his wife went and found a man who had some land for sale that he would sell, 500 acres, ideal, perfect, but it was to be on water. Walk that direction through to that thicket of trees, the man told him. And there he came out on the high bank overlooking the Karuma Rapids of the Nile River. Hippos and crocodiles, the great and ancient river. Five years now and 
200 acres more, a dental clinic, a medical center, orphanage, a school, assembly hall, library, teachers' homes, a visitor's hostel, American uh, women to, or African women to care for the young children, young Christian men and women from Canada and the U.S., single and couples with, with children of their own to teach and heal and restore the broken lives. Restoration Gateway. You can Google it. As so a light for Africa, we were humbled to have been part of that great work of mission, putting in solar light in the school classrooms and teachers' homes in the name of him who said, I am the light of the world. Downriver, just a few miles, the Ugandan government, in cooperation with Chinese financial and technical companies, is building a large hydroelectric dam power to develop a whole new urban complex to be the high-tech manufacturing center of the country. It will be the second largest city in Uganda. Here it is, side by side, the city of man and the city of God. Just outside the main gate of the construction site, there's a brand new mosque. Dr. Tim tells of a casual conversation with the Chinese official of the major financial institution underwriting the construction of the dam. I'm a very wealthy person, he said. I have everything, possessions, luxury, anyone could ever want. Yet inside I am empty. I'm not happy. Dr. Tim gently replied, I know the one who can fill your soul and give you the peace you lack. His name is Jesus. Dr. Tim procured for his Chinese friend a copy of the New Testament in the Mandarin language. Just above, on the bank of the great river, where the hippos and crocodiles play, and the new city is soon to be built, the back pool, the lake that will form behind the dam. The waters will lap at the bank of the river, and on the height above is a tiny grave marked by a plain headstone. A young family from Canada, husband teaching science and overseeing the spiritual life of the school, his wife a nurse, in the medical dispensary three years ago, a baby girl, African-born. There was a defect in her heart. They were too far from Kampala and the special care that might have saved her life. Silla Shalom McPhee, August 31st, October 4th, 2013, she lies in the red African earth above the ancient river, awaiting the sure and certain restoration in Christ Jesus. She presides over the age-old, yet very contemporary contest. It is a contest of visions, the city of man's earthly aspiration versus the city of God's sure promise, the living water.
1996, I took a group to the Holy Land. Uh, one of my clergy, uh, he could not go himself, but he asked that I take his mother. She's always wanted to go, Bishop. Would you take her? Would you please? Well, she had just gotten up from a hospital stay. She can do it, her doctor assured me. Get her out of the Pittsburgh winter. The sunny climate of the Holy Land will do her some good. So Jane Miller traveled with us. We were all aware of her age and her fragility. We all helped her on and off the bus, her accommodations, everything. And the day that we were to explore the old city, the Temple Mount, walk the Via Della Rosa, the Way of the Cross, it was the Palestinian elections. The city was wild, mobbed, tensions were high. The new Palestinian police in their brand new, their brand new uniforms directing traffic. The Israeli army keeping a discreet distance, but on alert for any trouble. No buses or unauthorized vehicular traffic allowed through the city gates. The guide came to me. We cannot take Mrs. Miller into the, into the old city. It's too long a walk for her, and if anything should happen, we couldn't get her any help. Uh, I agreed. Jane, I'm sorry, but you will have to lay back today. Oh, oh, she said. I've dreamed of this all my life. I've saved my money. You've all been so good to me, though. Jane, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'll get you a taxi back to the hotel. And then without thinking, I said, I promise you that before we leave Jerusalem, I will get you to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus rose from the dead, just by Calvary, where he was crucified. And I thought to myself, how are you ever going to do that? Schedule's so tight. But fortunately, the last day in Jerusalem, we were able to get into the old city, and I bid the other members of the group, uh, you're on your own, Jane and I are going to the church. So with Jane on my arm, I led her through the crowded ancient streets and up the steep steps to the site of Calvary, where we waited our turn to kneel before the rock where the cross of crucifixion was raised up Finally, Jane got down on her spindly knees. She put her hand down in the socket of the rock and said her prayer. And as I helped her up with tears in her eyes, oh, oh, this is where my Lord Jesus died for me. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you. And just as clearly, as I hope I am speaking to you, the Lord spoke to me. Alden, you've been a bishop these 15 years. This is to confirm to you what your ministry has been all about, what your life has been all about, is to bring an old lady to the foot of the cross where she might adore her Savior. My friends, this is what our business, the business of the church, is all about. It is to bring the old and the young, everyone, to the foot of the cross that they might adore their Savior. 
One pilgrimage, we had a 17-year-old girl, a student at National Cathedral School in Washington. She was on spring break, nothing else to do. So she went with her parents to Israel. Uh, she'd been very quiet along the way. I wondered how she was taking it all. And the last night after dinner, the group gathered to reflect on the experience. And I finally turned to her, Jennifer, uh, you haven't had much to say. What, what, what has this meant to you? And all of a sudden, her eyes opened wide. And she looked at me. I always thought these Bible stories were just myths and legends, like Paul Bunyan and Robin Hood. This really happened, didn't it? What I, I want you to see this Lenten season as we prepare for the events of Holy Week. The water. Governor Pontius Pilate washing his hands in it to placate the Jews, handing Jesus to the Roman execution squad, no water but sour wine for him to drink. A spear thrust completes his death, and from his side both blood and water. Was it not living water? It was exactly a month to that day that Jane Miller died. She had terminal cancer. Her doctor knew it. Her son knew it. She knew it. She knew what she had to do before her mortal life was ended. So then, do you know what it is that you have to do? Your journey through. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't even have to go to the Holy Land. What has been the measure of your life along the way? The Lord Jesus knows every part of it. What has been the measure of your life along the way? So I want to go back to that poem of T.S. Eliot. It's a favorite one of mine. I think of little Gideon. We shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will to, be arrived, to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. When the last of earth left to discover is that which was the beginning at the source of the longest river, the voice of the hidden waterfall and the children playing in the apple tree and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And God said, let there be light. And Jesus said, I am the living water. So I then, ready for the great Easter celebration, the church's Easter shout, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.